Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It is Super Bowl week in the NFL, specifically for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, Tennessee Titans, like 30 other teams across the league, once again, continuing with their offseason. And, uh, and we will look at some of the, uh, some of the latest developments going on with this team in, in this episode of the Believe in Titans podcast with our usual cast of characters, John Glennon. John, how are you? I am well. And Denard Walker. Denard, how are you? I'm doing great, David. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. I am, of course, David Beauclair. And let me remind you that the Believe in Titans podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. As always, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL playoffs or the Super Bowl in this case to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And before we look ahead to what's coming this weekend, I think it's important to look back to a uh, a previous Super Bowl team. ESPN on Sunday night debuted the Bullies of Baltimore, a look at the uh, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, a team all Titans fans know well, a team that our man Denard Walker knows all too well. And as you would expect, you, David. if you <laughs> if you haven't seen it, the uh, the Titans were featured prominently in uh, in that presentation. And uh, you know, I thought it was uh, I thought it was really enjoyable on a lot of fronts. You know, those guys are still big personalities and and whatnot. But as uh, in typical Ravens fashion, they talked a really really good game. And specifically in relation to the uh, divisional playoff game at Nissan Stadium, which at the time was Adelphia Coliseum, when uh, when they eliminated the Titans 24-10. And, and to hear those guys tell it some 20-odd years later, they came into town that day and they whipped you guys, Denard, from start to finish is the uh, is the story they're telling, which is which is absolutely not true. I mean, this game was tied 10-10 early in the fourth quarter, and the Ravens did 
what championship teams do and and for which they deserve full credit right they make they make a couple of big plays at critical moments with a, a little less than three minutes into the fourth quarter they block a field goal return it for a touchdown then with just under seven minutes to go ray lewis intercepts the pass returns that 50 yards for a touchdown they win uh they win 24 10 but you look at the stats from that game and, I mean, Baltimore had 134 yards of total offense. They converted two of 11 third downs. They had just six first downs the entire contest. Jamal Lewis, their running back, who was the centerpiece of that offense at the time, 17 carries for 47 yards. I mean, the Titans had almost as many rushing yards, 126, as the Ravens had total yards which which leads to one of the interesting elements of this uh of this feature on the ravens which is to say trent dilfer says that after the team played in nashville in week 11 during the regular season the next day he's in baltimore he can't find his playbook anywhere and and he says his routine and ritual was such that there was no way he could have lost it. It had to have been stolen. And then they come back for the playoff game, and he said, Denard, you guys were calling out everything they were doing, and and, and you know you were on top of of everything that that they did. And and he even said, ten or twelve years ago, he ran into Greg Williams, your defensive coordinator at the time, <laughs> and, and Greg Williams told him, you know, something to the effect of, how did you enjoy? knowing that we knew everything you guys were doing. So I've got to ask you, did you guys have the Ravens playbook that day? And no, no, if game? we did, no one showed it to me. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Trent Dilfer, man, first of all, uh, God, David, you know, I just had a relapse. I was doing so good. <laughs> so you had to go back and mention all of that that happened 20 some years ago. And I remember that game quite vividly. Um, it was what 10 to 10. And, and let me just say this. We got a dose of our own medicine. So if you go back in 1999, coach Fisher, who I love and respect uh, when we was getting ready to play Jacksonville in the AFC championship, I'll be honest with you. I don't think there was a lot of guys in that locker room. Uh, I didn't think they believe we can go to Jacksonville and win a third time. Coach Fisher uh, whole response was if we don't make it, then they're not, they're not going to make it. We're going to make sure we punish them. And what he did was he said that playing in Jacksonville is like playing a home game in Nashville. And that ticked Jacksonville off. And so when we went into Jacksonville, they were not ready to play the game. They was ready to annihilate us physically, like fighting. They had guys punching us, you name it. And we knew that was going to happen. So what we did, we got it. We got in their minds. And so what happened was, what happened in Jacksonville happened to us in 2000 against Baltimore. What Baltimore did was they got into our heads. What happened was big play, big play Shay, a.k.a. Shannon Sharp, a.k.a. the Hall of Famer. He goes off and runs his big mouth like he's good at. Shannon is a master at doing that. And what he did was Shannon said that if our offense don't score, I guarantee you that Tennessee's offense is not going to score. And so that ticked a lot of guys off in the locker room. So we were more about revenge and just going out there and just getting rid of Baltimore. Instead, it became more of a grudge match rather than a football game. And this is a team that, and, and let me just say this, the problem in that game 
was Greg Williams, who was our defensive coordinator. I love him to death. We know how he is as a defensive coordinator. Him and Brian Billick hated each other with a passion. I don't know their history. I don't know who caught who doing whatever with who, but these two hated each other to the point where you had to keep them apart. So it was personal because Brian Billick was not only the head coach, he was the offensive coordinator. So what happened that game, the reason that we lost is you think about it. You just said we had a hundred, they had 130 yards of offense. Yeah. And Jamal Lewis didn't do much, but what people don't talk about is the busted play that's what went almost 60, 70 yards that uh, Trent Differ found uh, Shannon Sharp and they end up going 50 or 60 yards. A majority of those yardage came on one play. That one play we put in the week before that game. And so what happened was it was one formation that Brian Billick ran at probably in the third or fourth quarter when we weren't thinking about that play. We ain't ran that coverage all year. We busted it. And that's how Baltimore goes up ahead of us. And the rest was history. Yeah, Dilford was five for 16 passing that day for a hundred. He didn't do anything. Dilford didn't do nothing. Didn't do nothing. No, and you, but here's the thing. Shannon Sharp had a 56-yard reception. That's Padre it. Ishmael had a 33-yard reception. And Jamal Lewis had his longest run on the day was 14 yards. Between those three plays, that's 103 yards right there. They ran, they ran 36 other plays for 31 yards that day. But, uh, but offensively, they only scored 10 points. Yeah, yeah, one exactly. touchdown that, off a busted coverage and a field goal. Yeah, and, and that, that and was really the coming out of Ray Lewis. And 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 you know, it's, and it's funny because that Ray Lewis interception too, I think, has taken on a certain mythology over the years, where people you know sort of want to remember it as you know Ray ripped the ball out of Eddie's hands, and it you know it was a sim and the, you know symbolically ripped out the Titans' hearts at the same time. But the fact was, the pass was behind him. Eddie never had the ball right. in his hands; he was juggling it. Ray Lewis, being Ray Lewis, was was there in the right position. His feet were under him. His head was up. You know, he he he. He didn't run through Eddie. He ran through the ball right. then and took it and went the other way. But there's there there's a very interesting clip too from the Ravens locker room after that game, which I won't spoil for certain people, but uh it, it will it will make Titans fans angry to be sure. But but Denard, real quickly, take us inside the Titans locker room after that game. That I, I assume that had to be one of the most, if not most, the most disappointing defeats of, of your career and probably most everybody in that room that day. Yes. You know what? It was demoralizing. I mean, you think about it, we were 13 and three, we should have been 15 and one. We lost two games by a field goal. I mean, we should have been 15 and one, one loss to Buffalo. And that was the first game of the season. Well, let me get this off my chest, David. Uh, it wasn't the Baltimore Ravens, and I love Marvin Lewis. He recruited me out of high school when he's at the University of Pittsburgh, but it was the Tennessee Titans with the number one defense uh, in the regular season. Um, when you look at that game, like you said, they had 130 yards of total offense. We had two costly busted coverages. We had a busted coverage where Shannon Sharp went 56 yards. It was 10-10. It was 17-10. And then you talk about the play that Ray made on Eddie when the ball was behind him. If you take away those two plays, we come out of Nash. I mean, we we win that game. But what a lot of people also don't know is Baltimore Baltimore would have never made the playoffs if we would have took care of them in Nashville about three weeks prior to that game. The problem 
that we had was our defensive coordinator, Brad Williams, who I adore, I love, I respect. He has an issue with Brian Billick. He calls an all-out blitz on a fourth and 11. An all-out blitz on fourth and 11. Dane and Sydney and the receiver get tangled up. Baltimore gets the ball at the three-yard line. They go in and score, and then we know the rest there. Again, when people talk about Greg Williams, you remember the game? Who was that? The New York Jets? Versus, yes, it was. Who was yep. that? Was uh, Who was it? The Jets versus – was it Oakland? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah. that's who it was. And he yeah. calls an all-out blitz when the yeah. Jets were about to win, like, their first game. And people <laughs> said, Denard, does Greg Williams really call games like that? And I said, you know what? Yes. If he's <laughs> mad and angry, he's going to blitz you. And let me just say this, David, last but not least. When my rookie year in 1997, we're playing the Arizona Cardinals. We're beating the snot off of Arizona down, and it was hot and muggy. We're up some 38, 41 to 12, 15, or 20. I don't know the score, but we were blowing him out. He calls an all-out blitz with about three minutes left in the game. When he calls the blitz, now I'm just a rookie, so I don't say anything. All of the veterans turn around. There was about eight or nine, Eddie Robertson, Marcus Robertson, Blaine Bishop. Instead of us covering or getting ready for the next play, they're pointing their finger at Greg. Don't you dare call a blitz on the fourth. Are you kidding me? Greg said, listen, when I'm, I'm the coach, you do what I tell you. And Jeff Fisher is like, Greg, settle down. Hey, do what you guys need to do. So they call a cover three. And then we would run off the field. About nine guys ran after Greg, said, what in the – are you doing it was just chaos when we was blowing Arizona away so yes I blame that game on Greg Williams man <laughs> well if he did if he did have the playbook he used it uh used it well most of uh he probably had it game. but he didn't share it because he knew he would have got caught yeah that's probably uh that's probably true well let's uh we we don't know who this year's Super Bowl champion is, but as as we mentioned, we know it's either going to be the Philadelphia Eagles or uh, or Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, a, a, an interesting matchup in a lot of ways. I I read something that said it's the best team against the best quarterback, and and in that in that uh, vein, it's going to be sort of a uh, a statement on on where the NFL is right now and and what kind of game it is. So. Uh, Let's uh let's look let's look at that real quickly. John Glennon, who who do you like and why in this game? Uh you know, I, I think I've kind of changed uh, in, in the last week or so. You know, initially I, I sort of favored Kansas City, you know. I, I, I like the, you know, of course the explosive offense, hard to go against Pat Mahomes, but the sort of the all round team that that philadelphia has you know it's uh sure they have the uh the the great offense uh they have an offense that can beat you both with the the running game and if need be they can go to the air and, and beat you with the passing game too but i also like their defense uh more than kansas city i like the way they get after the quarterback um you know and they haven't needed to do a whole lot of blitzing in order to do that uh either so I think that's going to be a big difference. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on on Patrick Mahomes. It's going to make life difficult for him. I think Philly has the um, certainly has the offense that can control the ball too and keep the ball away from from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so I'm going to go with Philadelphia. Uh, I think it'll be a fairly high scoring game. 
Uh, I'll go somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 31-24, 31-27, somewhere in that neck of the woods. And uh, just for fun, I'll throw an MVP possibility in there. The easy one is, is Jalen Hurts, but maybe I, I, I might uh, switch it up just because, you know, he doesn't always have the big passing yards. I'll go with the defender this time around. I'm going to go with Hassan Reddick, who's been getting after the quarterback all year. Uh, been a big disruptor, uh, a guy who creates chaos. So I'll say he's going to be the MVP and Philly is going to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are really good on the interior of their offensive line. Their center and two guards are terrific. Where they can be vulnerable is is the tackles and the rush coming from the outside. I, I agree. I think Hassan Reddick has the has the potential to, to have a, a really, really big game. To, to me, it feels like the Eagles are just one of those teams this year. And, and I don't, I don't want to put them in the same class as, as the 85 bears, for example, but you know, that whole year in 85, you felt like, okay, the bears are just going to go ahead and win this thing. And and that's, that's kind of the way it's felt with this Eagles team. And, and I say that because it seems like they have an answer for everything. And, and the NFL has sort of, it's been in a transition period the last four or five years. And, and, uh, uh, you know, with with all the changes in the passing rules and the increased use of analytics, and, and and you know, going forward on fourth down and these sorts of things, and and it almost seems like the Eagles are the first team now to figure it out in this uh, in this day and age from uh, from the from a personnel perspective. And uh, I agree. I, I think it's I think it's going to be uh, you know Patrick Mahomes is going to do Patrick Mahomes things. He's going to keep the the Chiefs in it, but I think the Eagles are going to have. They're just going to have too many answers ultimately. So I'm looking at like a 34, 24, and I'm going to say, uh, you know, just to irritate Titans fans, maybe a little bit more. AJ Brown has done next to nothing in these playoffs so far. I I kind of feel like I feel like AJ Brown is is due for a, a really really big game. So I'm going to say AJ Brown is my MVP. Denard, how do you see this thing shaping up? Well, I want to start off, first of all, I'm not going to be long. I, I like to say history is going to be made this Super Bowl. History, you have two starting backs to ever start a Super Bowl. Jamal Holmes at 27 and uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, 24. Last but not least, uh, you know, I'm a Texas guy, so I have to throw it out there. Uh, this is going to be Southeast Texas versus East Texas. Of course, Jalen from Channel View in the Houston area and Patrick Mahomes, the proud of White House, Texas, East Texas out there by Tyler. So congratulations. I have to throw that out because, you know, I'm a Texas guy. Of course. But I do believe that deep. Yeah, you know, I have to get that. I had to get that in. But, you know, defenses to me win championships. And when I look at this Kansas City team, again, we all know about Patrick's uh, ankle, but, you know, he's going to be 100 I'm saying 100 percent, but. Patrick be 50%. He could still compete on any level. But when I look at this Chiefs, um, when I look at their receivers, they have a depleted receiving core. You look at Juju Smith-Schuster, he's dealing with knee issues. You talk about Kadarius Tony, hamstring and ankle injuries. And <clears throat> when you look at Miko Hardeman, that's their deep threat. That's that player that gets over the top of the defense. He won't be playing. He's dealing with a pelvic injury. And you're talking about the perimeter game where you have a depleted receiver, you have a quarterback with a high ankle sprain, he's still nursing. And then you got to go against that Eagles secondary of the all pro James Bradbury. You're talking about Darius, big play Slay, Marcus Epps, CJ Gardner, Johnson, 
Reed Blankenship, I mean, this secondary, David, is loaded. And then what happens is you already got a quarterback that's hurt. You got a depleted secondary in Kansas City. And you telling me you got to go against that front for Philly? You know they're going to have Patrick on the run. Hassan Reddy. I know Tennessee, they don't like to hear that name, but at least the league in 16 sacks. I don't even think the game is going to be close. If Philly, I think Philly dominates this game from start to finish. It, I it, got, I got 41, I got 45, 45-14. I, I got this Philly wow. winning this game big. I'm sorry, I got Philly winning this game big. Don't don't apologize. They are, I mean. some money out there. You, you you wonder, too, how much, you know, because the fact that they handled business so well, the their first two playoff games, guys have rested. Like, you know, we, we mentioned Hassan Reddick. I read where uh, his two, the two games where he's played the fewest amount of snaps this season have been the two playoff games because he hasn't been needing to rush the, the quarterback in the fourth quarter of these games. They've they've had such a handle on them. I mean, that that sort of thing's got to be worth something, too. And, you know, he, he clearly he's not the only veteran who's ended ended these games on the sidelines. But uh, but we will uh, we will see what happens there. And, and let's let's start looking ahead, though. The uh, 2023 NFL draft is about three months away. And in the meantime, a lot of attention will be paid to the uh, the 2019 draft, which uh, which of course was a really really good one for the Titans because it's contract time for some of these guys. Jeffrey Simmons, of course, is uh, he's signed to the fifth year option. Uh, we all expect, and and you know, I don't think anyone would argue with the idea that he is going to get a contract extension at some point. Second round pick AJ Brown of course is in Philadelphia. Fourth round pick Amani Hooker already has his new deal. He he signed an extension last year. Fifth round pick DeAndre Walker was cut, cut a couple years ago, but then you've got two other guys. Third round pick Nate Davis, se- uh sixth round pick David Long. Both have been starters, both have been productive players for this team. Both are uh both are scheduled to be unrestricted free agents this year. So uh uh John Glennon is one more than the other likely to be resigned are they you expect both of them to be back how do how do you shape up the uh the, their current statuses well you know i i like them both you know and i know i mean we should we should say first of course the titans are are not in the best cap position right now they're over the cap they're they're one of the the worst position teams in the league in terms of the cap now that could change a uh, great deal between now and for agency if they, if they cut a few veterans who we probably expect them to uh, to cut. But at the same time, they don't have a, a, a ton of money. So that's not a case where they can just uh, re-sign and sign a- any players that, that they want. That said, I, I think there seem to me there seem to be pretty compelling reasons to bring both Davis and, and David Long back. You know, that – Offensive line for the Titans, we know it wasn't good last year and it needs a lot of improvement, but you need at least one or two, I think, building blocks from last season. You know, guys that that played pretty well, I I think, to build around. It's pretty difficult to wipe out the entire offensive line and start over again, Um, you know, both in terms of of getting quality, experienced players and, and in terms of a payroll. Nate Davis had, you know, maybe his best year last year. Um, you know, since getting drafted, I think he certainly took big strides uh, in in terms of pass pro, which was a, uh, you know, the, the most difficult 
adjustment for him. He's always been a good run blocker, but I think he improved in the passing game last year. Now, has he had injury situations? Yes. Missed five games last year, missed three in, in 2021. So I, I – you know, I think he's a guy that they should try to resign. And we should mention our, our good friend Jim Wyatt, a Titans insider, had an interesting little comment in, in his uh, in his mailbag, of all things, last week, where he kind of offhandedly said, I don't expect Navis, Nate Davis to be back next year. So take that for, for what you will. Uh, but but maybe that, uh, you know, the, the Titans have already chosen or, or will likely choose to, to move on. Uh, David Long, I think it depends on the price tag. Certainly, uh, you know he's another guy. I, I think there are not guy, there are not a lot of guys, especially on this roster, that can do what he does. Both in terms of the run game, I think he was a big reason why the Titans ranked, you know, it was one or two against the run at the at, by the end of the year. And you know he's a three down guy. Obviously, he's he's a pretty good coverage guy as well. And I'm not sure, you know, even when you're looking at a Monty Rice or, or a, you know, a Jack Gibbons or, or anyone like that, um, you know, I, I don't know if they have the same skills as David Long. The issue with David Long is what do you pay him because he's missed 12 games in the last two years. And that might be one reason, you know, I was looking for a couple of market values for, for David Long, wildly different market values, pro football focus uh, said four years, $55 million for him, which would be almost $14 million a year. Spot track, on the other hand, two years, $10.3 million, which is about $5 million a year, which sounds much better. That sounds like a great deal right there. So if you can, if you can come to the, uh, to the, to a good price for David Long, I, I think they should, uh, I think they should make an effort to bring him back. Uh, I, yeah. John, I agree with you. Uh, well, I would like to see both of them back. I was kind of reading over you, you, you're talking about Nate. I, I love Nate Davis. I, I think he's been consistent uh, since entering the league in 2019 out of Charlotte. You think about that 2020 season. I, I, I thought he had a pro bowl season. I thought he was one of the best guards uh, in the league. Unfortunately, injuries do, they can derail a career, but what, what's kind of scary to me. And I was reading something that says, think about if Nate leaves and let's also talk about Ben Jones, possibly retiring. The Titans will need to replace, what, four offensive linemen. That means they would have to – you would have four new offensive linemen uh, in 2023. What's even what's even scarier, you're talking about this is a team that you just lost your, your coach who – Keith Carter was fired. The offensive coordinator, Todd Downing, was fired. You talk about the weakness of your team was your offensive line. And then you talk about needing to reveal what's scary is that entering 2023, let's say if Ben – retires and let's say if Nate goes in free agency the Titans would only have one player on the contract and that's a rookie Nicholas Petit Frere that's even scary because you know who that affects you got a 35 year old quarterback in Ryan Tannehill coming back next year you're talking about Derek Henry he's 29 careers so that's something that the Titans and Rand Carthon they're going to pay, pay close attention to yeah, the, the the offensive line thing is is interesting to me because clearly it needs to be better. It needs to be dramatically better than it was this past season. But how, uh, you know, can you afford to to just tear the whole thing up and, and start from scratch? And, and and if you do that, how quickly can you can you make that into a good unit? It, it sounds like Ben Jones wants to. Uh, wants to come back and play again, even after concussion issues, which is, uh, 
you know, you, you wish him the best. You, you know, that's, that's certainly his choice to make at this point, but uh, it, it's a, uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a real issue for this team what what you do with this offensive line all right well those are uh those are decisions that uh that Rand Carthen and and his staff are going to have to make and they they do have time to make them when those decisions are made we of course will uh will take a deeper look at them but uh but until then there will be other things to discuss and we will be back next week to discuss them uh, as always, thank you, Denard Walker. Thank you. John Glennon, thank you. Thank you, guys. And thanks to all you out there who continue to listen and download and uh, and tell your friends. This is the, uh, of course, the, the Believe in Titans podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.